today's episode, we open our Bibles to Acts chapter 10, verse 44 through 11, verse 18. God makes clear that any barriers between Jews and Gentiles are no more in a divine display of impartial love. As Peter, a devout Jew, is compelled by divine revelations to preach to the Gentile household of Cornelius, the Holy Spirit descends upon them all, much to the amazement of Peter and the circumcised believers with him. Yet, when Peter returns to Jerusalem, he must face the skepticism and criticism of the other Jewish believers. Good morning and blessed Pentecost. Today is Thursday, August 3rd, and you're listening to Thy Strong Word, where each weekday morning we explore the holy scriptures to which God bespeaks us righteous and nourishes our faith. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo of St. John Lutheran Church in Laverne, Minnesota. Thy Strong Word is made possible by listeners like you, who continue to support the ministry of KFUO Radio. We're also grateful for a generous donation from the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF does important work in translating and publishing and distributing Lutheran books and materials that are Bible-based and focused on Jesus. The best part? LHF gives out all of these resources for free to pastors, missionaries, and those who need them. To find out more about what LHF does and how you can join them in their important work, have a look at their website at lhfmissions.org. That's plural, lhfmissions.org. But for this morning, please join me in welcoming my guest, a returning contributor to the show, the Reverend Dr. Michael Nielsen. He's the pastor of Salem Lutheran Church in Barron, Wisconsin. Good morning, Pastor Nielsen, and welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me back today. Oh, always nice to have you on, and what an interesting text that we have for ourselves today. Uh, we're finishing up, I guess, the last paragraph of chapter 10, and we're digging into the first half of chapter 11. But this is a pretty uh, momentous occasion in the Scriptures, at least for people like Peter, who I think we're still hanging on to the idea that uh, being a Christian was really just like being a Jew 2.0, <laughs> but we find here this amazing, uh, this amazing uh, uh, call, I suppose, right. that Peter has to also reach out to Gentiles. You know, it's not just Paul, but right. we're going to get into all of that, but uh, I hope you're uh, excited for the text today. I am. Excellent. Well, before we dig into any of that, we should probably pray, and I'd love to invite you to pray for us, brother. We shall. So let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we dig into these words of your Holy Scripture um, from Acts 10 and 11, we ask your blessings be upon us as we see this momentous occasion, um, especially for Peter, but also for us, um, as you uh, show to Peter uh, that you do have a love for all and that you've called all, not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles, uh, which includes many or most of us um, listening today. Um, so we ask your blessings upon us as we read and study your word. Uh, give us wisdom and insight. Open up our hearts and our ears and our minds and just bless us and surround us with your love. Amen. Amen. 
Well, so our text today really kind of finishes up the narrative that we talked about yesterday, and then it gets into a little bit more deeply uh, Peter's report to the church, uh, which has that amazing, uh, I guess, the trance and the descendant of the sheet with the different animals on it. Correct. Peter's going to detail that for folks. Uh, but our last, our, our first few verses here, as we as we finish chapter ten, and it's very tough to divide these up sometimes because. Uh, a lot of times then each narrative will spill into the next one, and it's hard to know, oh, okay, where am I going to divide it up for the show? Right. But, but this is where we landed. Let's read ver verses 44 through 48. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among all the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And then he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Then they asked him to remain for some days. All right, so let's pause there. Might be a good idea, brother, to give people a little recap of what happened yesterday uh, so we kind of know the context for what's going on here. Uh, but even so, we see belief before baptism. We see the Holy Spirit being poured out. It's the Gentile connection. We see speaking in tongues again. There's a lot to talk about just in these first few verses. There is, but let's back up to uh, Acts, uh, the beginning of Acts chapter 10. Uh, so Peter meets a uh, Cornelius, uh, but before he actually meets Cornelius, we, we get this vision that Peter sees um, about animals. Uh, he's talking, he sees this uh, vision where Jesus, or where God tells him, well, Jesus says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Uh, but these aren't what uh, Jews would consider um, clean animals. So Jesus tells him, you know, uh, what God has made clean, do not call common. Uh, so this is where he shows that uh, everything uh, is clean. Everything is, uh, he has this love for all. Uh, so as Peter is seeing this and hearing this, <laughs> well, that's when uh, these people, uh, come to him from Cornelius's place. Uh, so he goes there, he speaks to them. Uh, and then from there, uh, we get this whole, where he's speaking to the Gentiles, where he's preaching to the Gentiles, the good news of Jesus. Uh, and, and what struck out to me in yesterday's uh, reading is when Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. Uh, uh, that was a key verse to me, uh, because for a long time, the Jews, they thought they were the only ones. Uh, but now this, this is changing for Peter, a Jew himself. And, and now he's seeing that, wait a minute, this is also for the Gentiles. The word of God is for all people. Uh, so he's preaching this, He's teaching this, um, and that's where we pick up today's text here in this, um, reading the end of Acts 10. 
And so the Holy Spirit, when he acts upon the faith of these Gentiles, that's a pretty big deal for Peter and the Jews who are with him. As you already intimated, you know, there's this division, long-standing division between who they are as God's chosen people and, of course, everybody else, which is generally what's meant by Gentiles. And so we, when we see this, if we put ourselves in the places of Peter and those Jews around them, it must have been, it must have been a mix of emotions. Because on the one hand, they got to be excited about the possibility of bringing just that many more people into the kingdom, while at the same time they have to confront the reality that while they're special and chosen, they're special and chosen like everybody else, right? right? God right. wants all people to be a part of the kingdom. So there must have been at least a human side of them that was I'm just sure a there little was. struggling. And, yeah. Well, and we're going to see that as we get to Acts 11, but let's let's hold back on that for a moment. Well, sounds good. Well, let's take us through this then. So the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. They were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. And the evidence of that was, but, here we go again, speaking in tongues. But right. this time... Is it languages that other people had not previously learned that they needed to use to talk to people? Or is this something different because it looks like something different? It, it, it does. It, it does. Um, but can we be for sure what's going on here? It could be the whole, uh, that gift uh, that the scriptures talk about of the speaking in tongues. Um you know, there's there's not many nations gathered here. This is the Gentiles. This is this group of people uh, that Peter is speaking to. Uh, so maybe the Holy Spirit has given them uh, this gift of tongues. Um, they're extolling God. They're praising God through this. Uh, but what struck me uh, here is the parallels to Acts two. Uh, the the what we consider the birthday of the church, the Pentecost. And sometimes we forget about these verses from Acts chapter 10, uh, which for some people, they consider this the Gentile Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit, well, you know, it says, they fell on them all who heard, uh, these Gentiles that are gathered. Uh, now, another interesting thing about the way this all plays out is that they had received the gift of the Holy Spirit before they were baptized, right? They, yeah. Right, right. Well, we, we know that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Uh, so they're hearing the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Uh, we think about uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, too, another part of uh this Acts narrative, uh, where where he's you know the Holy Spirit is coming into his heart, um, and he tells Philip, "There's water. <laughs> Why can't I be baptized?" So uh, there are moments um, where the Holy Spirit does come first. Right, of course. So, you know, here's water. What prevents me? Right. In fact, that's pretty much what we get again, right. right? Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people? So the reason I bring this up is because I grew up in a tradition that believed that one must come to faith 
prior to baptism. And of course, this is naturally for those who hold to that position. They're going to go to something like this and say, see, baptism is one's uh, declaration of their belief. You don't, you know, baptism is all about proclaiming your decision for Christ, etc., etc. Now, we know plenty of other uh events in the scriptures where it's the opposite way, and we certainly have the testimony of the scripture, but you can see how it would be easy for people to look at this and say, well, those Lutherans, they have the order all wrong. They're baptizing babies, and then later they're confessing their faith in confirmation. Um, Here's an example here. Maybe another good opportunity to remind people of the prescriptive versus descriptive role of Acts, but not only that, but that plenty of people, and Lutherans have always confessed this, do come to faith prior to their baptisms. Baptism is the the primary means through which God grows his church, but at the same time, as you've already said, baptism is, and I don't want to to, uh, denigrate baptism in any way, but it's nothing more than the incarnate Word, right? God working through the Word. So the Word is certainly what matters, and and, and, and when it comes to adults, we certainly see that. and, and I suppose that even in the Lutheran tradition, oftentimes people might come to faith and then wait a little while before being baptized if they come as adults. Now, that's not a, a practice that I've always been excited about, to be honest. I've seen people you know, do six, right. ten-week classes before being baptized, and right. I think of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, frankly. I say, well, why don't we just get them baptized? Let's get it done. Yeah, but but still, still, there is this recognition, though, that faith comes through the Word. Not that you would ever want to neglect baptism right. just because you were brought to faith in that other order. Right. Well, let's see here. Then we also, they, they, they say, can anyone withhold water, which I loved that. And then he commanded them to be baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. And so this, we brought this up before on this particular study, but it's worth revisiting just a little bit because there are some Christians out there who say, nope, nope, we don't, we don't baptize in the name of the Trinity, but we baptize in the name of Jesus only. But that's not exactly what's going on here, right, brother? Right, right. So I've often, as I've read through Acts, uh, especially after we get that great commission uh, to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I've often wondered, why in Acts are they baptizing in the name of Jesus? It's it's a question that I, too, have had. Uh, But it's what's recorded for us. you know, we know that Jesus is part of the Trinity. So is is it that? Uh, right. So that that's, I think that's there's what a, it, Yeah, well, I think there's a couple different ways to look at it, because on the one hand, when we talk about the name of Jesus, what are we really talking about? We're talking about all the things that Christ had done, life, right. death, and resurrection, to save us from our sins. And so, you know, to be baptized in that name could very well indicate that they're Baptizing and teaching, right? As right. Jesus said, absolutely. Baptizing and teaching. You know, we think yeah. of everything that Jesus did, uh, but we also know, as we think about the Word, you know, as we're thinking about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we also know that the Word was at creation. You know, they're all one. Uh, we know that. Uh, so uh, there's all of that playing around in here too. So I, it, it's I think probably another, a mixture of everything. 
Oh, yeah, but I think there's another great angle that I really kind of just thought of, and that is, well, what do we have at the very beginning of Acts? We have the apostles being arrested and charged not to teach in the name of Jesus. Oh, right, right. So they keep getting right. they keep getting in trouble. So then every time in the name of come, Jesus, yeah, and every time people come to faith, suddenly it's they're baptized in the name of Jesus. It's almost oh, like a, it's right. almost like tw- a dig a little bit. Look at us, we're doing yeah. God's work regardless of what you said we can't do. Well, that that's true. I never thought about that before. Yeah, I yeah. think I, it just sort of occurred to me too, but I think that might have a little bit to do with right. it. Um, with how with how Luke is writing this. It's precisely, precisely. It's not it's less about what's exactly going on on the ground, but more about the spirit of what's going right. on. They're continuing to proclaim the name of Jesus and right. making people disciples in the name of Jesus. Right. Well, they asked him to remain some days is how chapter 10 ends. Um, let's move into chapter 11. Now, the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. Now, before I move into five and how he really revisits a lot of what we've already learned, uh, let's talk about the circumcision party, right? So they... they ha- it doesn't sound like a very fun party to me. They they, they right. head up, and I, and I just don't. I don't even mean the pun. I just mean the these people are focused on this ritual purity, the keeping of the law. It seems like they have uh, some hangups about God's very liberally applied love to all people. Right, right. Uh, so a lot of these people, these Jews, thought that you had to be circumcised. Uh, to be a member of his kingdom, to be chosen by him. Um, So the the circumcision party um, that criticized Peter, uh, so what was Peter doing? You know, he was there with the Gentiles. He was preaching the word of God to them. Uh, But what, what does the circumcision party get upset about? Well, he was eating with the quote unquote unclean. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, then he goes on to explain what happened, uh, but um, the circumcision party, uh, so yeah, these were those people that insisted on circumcision along with saving faith. They needed both. They needed to do something uh, as well as receive the word, Uh, and a lot of this, this party might have even been formed uh, because of this very incident um, that happened with Peter, uh, Cordelius, and the Gentiles. Well, this is not exactly the last time we're going to hear about the circumcision party. I mean, they <laughs> no. they continue to be a thorn in the side of the apostles, and in, in some ways they really remind me of the Pharisees, the Pharisees who ostensibly would want good works done, they would want people healed, they would want people brought to faith, but they couldn't get over the fact that it wasn't being done in the way that they prescribed. And and right. here we have a little bit of that too, right? These right. these people should be required to become Jews first. Right. And that certainly isn't the message of Christ. Or or at least the outward sign of being a Jew. Um so right. But the Jews, you know the Pharisees obviously, uh 
but the Jews have grown up in this tradition too, you know, where, where God prescribed this, but now things are changing and they're, they're troubled with this. Yeah, I think it'd be easy for us to just make sort of bad guys out of the circumcision party or to even say that they were the only people who struggled with this idea. I mean, clearly Peter himself struggled with it. Well, and, he did. Yeah, and we and we can think about it from our own point of view. Imagine if God in his infinite wisdom decided to change baptism as the means through which people are entered into the kingdom. And you might think, you might go, no, 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 let's, let's not even say that because it's just ridiculous. Well, from their point of view, it would have been absolutely ridiculous right. for them to ever think that anyone would say circumcision was no longer necessary. Right. Yeah, so, it, it so, was to them. Absolutely. It, it, this has been going on for thousands and thousands of years. So why change it now, God? <laughs> right. And the only reason why I think they were unable to understand that change fully is, A, because of their own human concupiscence and sin, of course, uh, but also the fact that I think we always struggle to to really understand the just how amazing the grace of God is, just right. amazing, and, and I, this is such a loaded word in today's culture, but I'll use it anyway, how inclusive it is. You know, the, the people who right. don't look like you, the people who don't act like you, the people who don't even have the same cultural values you do, Christ died for them too. Right. And and we and we belong to a church body which is a it's, a, it's an ethnic church body, right? We're pretty German still right. even after all these years. And so whenever we go into areas where perhaps the people aren't exactly like us German folks, then I think we struggle uh, and we shouldn't. In our hearts we don't really struggle, but we do struggle with the idea of well, their their worship looks a little different, or uh, the ways in which they pray look a little different, uh, and and so so often we can fall into the trap of being the circumcision party, right. saying that that only salvation in the Lutheran manner is appropriate, but that's not and, the case. And, and we forget what Peter said, you know, back in last yesterday's reading, uh, where he said, "I understand that God shows no partiality," you know, partiality he wants everyone. Right. Division. All of these types of things are human made. Right. I mean, we, you know, there are certainly times when God has made distinctions between people, right? So we think of oh, absolutely. the, uh, you're my chosen people. These are the nations. I want you to conquer them, et cetera, et cetera. We've seen that. We went through that right. on this program. But through Christ in these last days, he's called all people unto himself. And so any of those divisions, whether they be racial or national or you know geographic or whatever cultural those things really dissolve away with this particular account at least right. they should for us right well i don't quite yet want to get into the retelling of the events that happened we're getting pretty close to the break but anything else about the section we covered so far anything else you might want the people to know to prep them as we head into our first break i i think just you know, what Peter went through, and, and now his, uh, the Holy Spirit comes upon the Gentiles, and the circumcision party is challenging Peter, uh, just to keep that in mind as we go into break, because Peter is going to respond to them. Uh, well, I'll just leave it at that for now. 
<laughs> Sounds good. We're going to hear Peter's response and a lot more when we come back. But folks, don't go anywhere. When we return from the other side, we're going to keep on going through chapter 11. How does Peter respond to those? You know, he's experienced something that they had not experienced. And they're, well, we've already said that their objections, while unreasonable, are understandable in light of their experience. We're going to talk about that and a lot more. Folks, don't go anywhere. See you on the other side. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo, and with me this morning is the Reverend Dr. Michael Nielsen. He's the pastor of Salem Lutheran Church in Barron, Wisconsin. Folks, Thy Strong Word is an amazing companion as you look to have daily devotions in God's Word. You can tune into the program on AM 850 on your radio if you're in the St. Louis area, but if you're just a little bit outside that signal's reach, you don't have to fret. You can subscribe to the show on your own podcasting app, or you can download the KFUO radio app, which is compatible with Android phones and iPhones. You can also listen whenever you'd like, wherever you'd like, live or at your own pace at KFUO.org. And if you want to chat with me, share some of your thoughts, or if you have any questions, I'm all ears. You can reach me by dropping an email at pastorboo at gmail.com, or you can connect with me on Facebook to keep the conversation going. All right. Well, Pastor, before the break, we just got right up to the point where Peter is going to explain to them everything that happened. And I'm going to get into that text now, starting with verse 4 once again. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean do not call common. And this happened three times, and all was drawn up into heaven again. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. 
These six brothers also accompanied me and entered the man's house, and he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter, and he will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. That's the end of verse 18. Um, it also happens to be the end of our uh, text for this morning. So here we have Peter recounting mostly the events of chapter 10, but it seems like his focus is a little different. It's now focusing on God's intervention on behalf of the Gentiles. It shows us that Peter is now an advocate of the Gentiles, but he's going to have to advocate to them against people who are, well, pretty pretty secure in their traditions. Uh, take us through this, brother. So, so yes, he recounts this vision that he saw, that he sees, uh, that, that God gives him about the, the animals and birds of prey. Uh, when Jesus tells him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Uh, Jesus, uh, Peter says, by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. Uh, Jesus responds, what God has made clean, do not call common. So we get all this. This, this is a repetition from uh, chapter 10, uh, which needs to be repeated uh, to the people in Jerusalem here, uh, to the circumcision party, so that they hear uh, what Peter saw and heard from the mouth of Jesus. Uh, and and what really struck out to me as you were reading um, was in verse 12. Um, and the Spirit told me to go with them. And, and he said this, making no distinction. You know, I pointed out back yesterday's reading of um, no partiality. I understand that God shows no partiality. And now he, he is an advocate and says, you know, told me to go with them, making no distinction, you know, at this point, well now, but in back in chapter 10, Peter was still struggling with this, you know, he was, but now um, he is an advocate. He's been changed. He saw this, he encountered it. He was the one that preached the word of God to them. He understands it. And now he's telling uh, the circumcision party, uh, that God makes no distinction uh, between the people, um, Jews or Gentiles. Uh, so that that was a big eye-opening thing, uh, you know. So so he's recalling the Lord's word here in this text. Uh, but then you know I wrote my notes where he's saying, really, how can I stand in God's way of doing? His work, uh, which I think is pretty incredible. P Peter probably at one point as he's going through this is wondering, oh my goodness, this isn't what I'm used to. 
but we know Peter. He's been with Jesus, you know, when Jesus was earthly present on earth for those three years. Uh, and now Jesus is speaking to him in a different way. But he's thinking, how can I stand in God's way? Uh, which was which was pretty incredible. Uh, you know, it is interesting when you talk about how Peter is saying, listen, I... There's nothing I could do, essentially, because this is what God wants. As you just said, right. how could I stand in God's way? So, you know, taking us back just for a moment to the top of 11, so when he gets back, you know, imagine what he went through. He goes out, he gets this vision, he goes and he meets with the Cornelius. Cornelius confirms that he also received this vision. This, his whole worldview has just been turned upside down. You know, the salvation that God offers is for indeed all people. And while I think he always kind of knew that, you know, now it's really being affirmed. And right. then he goes, it's like going on vacation and experiencing all these great things and your mind just gets opened and changed and you come home and the people haven't experienced what you've experienced. And so, you know, they, they're, they're kind of left behind a little bit. And so he gets home and people are criticizing him. You know, he's went through essentially a very spiritual experience, one that revealed the will of God for salvation for all people. It's this huge major deal, kind of like being on the Mount of Transfiguration, really. Right. And he comes back home and people are complaining. I heard you were eating with uncircumcised men. I heard you were out there trying to give salvation to everybody. And so Peter defends it with this description of this, sheet that comes down. And yeah, we treated it yesterday, but it, it's, it doesn't hurt to look at it again. Tell us a little bit about the dietary laws that would have really uh, made this make sense to them, right? So let, let's say someone didn't hear yesterday's show. You know, So this, this sheet comes down and it has, it says animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air, and he's told to eat. What does he mean when he says nothing common or unclean has ever entered? So you have to think about this. Um, God gave uh, the people of Jerusalem, the people, the people of Israel, dietary laws, what they could eat, what they couldn't eat. Uh, you know, we could go back at, and look at all the specific things that they were told they could eat, they couldn't eat. Uh, there, there, there's, you know, reptiles were off limits. Uh, birds of the air, um, beasts of prey, you know, certain things were off limits to the people of God that they just couldn't eat. You know, it wasn't for them at, at that point. Uh, it, well, and, and we also see here, though, that he has... I, 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 I'm trying to think of how I can explain this to people because Americans will eat a lot of things. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Uh, there are plenty of other cultures where certain things are uh, verboten. They don't want you to eat those things or they just don't think it would be nice to eat them. God does certainly give down these distinctions, but the distinctions between what they could eat and what they couldn't eat had really become more than just sort of a diet, right? A list of, okay, these are good right. foods and these are bad foods. But this was a part of their identity. Jews were known for not eating X, Certain Y, things. and Z. Right. And and so imagine like we and we always joke a little bit. I shouldn't say we always joke, but there, you know, we joke about the fact that 
you know, one of the things about being Christians, you can eat bacon and Jews can't eat bacon because of the pig. Right, right, right. Because of the pig. Right. It's, but we have to know, I think we have to remember that it's not as though Jews of the first century looked at, say, a pig and said, oh, I really wish I could eat that, but God told me not to. No, it has been ingrained into their, their hearts and their traditions that these not weren't just, you weren't allowed to eat them, but right. rather they were unclean. So the way I like people to understand this is imagine if a sheet were to descend from heaven and then all the unclean animals that you think of were on there. Um, I don't know, maybe that's cockroaches. Maybe that's other insects. Maybe it's strange sort of creatures from the sea. Maybe it's uh, uh, kittens and puppies, you know, things that you would right. never right. think about eating. That is Peter's mindset. It isn't a, ooh, delicious, I get to eat these good foods that right. I've never right. been able to eat. No, he looks at them like they're a bunch of cockroaches and says, now I want you to eat those things. Right. And now, now take that, and I know you know this, doctor, but take that, folks at home, and, 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 and lift it out of its context. This isn't about food. This is about people. And, and I think it's it reveals about your heart. Yeah. And it reveals to us a little bit about what they thought of Gentiles. Right. You know, it wasn't forbidden, delicious food that I want to eat but can't. It's things I wouldn't touch with a million foot pole. And now suddenly he's told, these people whom kind of deep in your heart you resent, they are part of God's kingdom too. Mm. And then therein we get the message. You know, therein we see just how dramatic this is. Right. Right. And and I think about this, you know, going back to the to the beginning of eleven, um, who's around? Uh, the apostles, the brothers who are throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles um, had received the word of God. Are, are these people uh, questioning uh, what Peter did too? Uh, the ones that we thought were uh, the strength of the church, uh, are these guys wondering, oh, oh, why did Peter do this? Then as uh, you were talking, I was thinking about what, what God told them when he ascended into heaven. You know, where are they going to start? Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea? And then where are they going to go? All right, the, the ends, ends of, of the, earth. the earth, or or the they, Great Commission. You're going to make think disciples there, right? of all nations. Did they forget about this? Right. You know. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's like who do they think lived in the ends of all the earth? Right. You know, it's, Was it just it, the Jews <laughs> that were we, scattered? We Lutherans get accused of this too, right? That our evangelism programs are about going out and finding Lutherans wherever they may be found, as right, opposed right. to or, or, or finding former, people. Or uh, unchurched Lutherans or Lutherans without a church home. You're going to go right. get, get them back in. Yeah, that's you know? not the message. The message is go out and make disciples of all Everybody. nations. Yeah, they really shouldn't have been surprised. But again, we're dealing with you know generational level. Uh, I, I don't know how else to say it, but just sort of uh, what, what's biases. been ingrained into them. Yeah, uh, this yeah, so, is, this is a drastic thing for them. Well, Very so he drastic. said. But here's another thing that I think is interesting, and I hear this, and also we talked about this yesterday. But I hear this section attributed to, well, now we can eat anything because of this sheet incident. <laughs> but that's not. And I'm not saying we can't eat what we want, but I, I I don't think it has anything to do with this particular, you know, whatever I've ca- called uh, clean, don't call common. Well, 
yeah, except this isn't about food. It's about people. Right, right. Uh, and, and you think about, you know, being a preacher, I shouldn't forget where things are in the Bible. Uh, but I think uh, I think of that account where um, we're told that if we're with somebody and it's going to cause them to fall, uh, we shouldn't eat or drink something that could that could cause their faith to crumble. You know. Yeah, when it comes to the weaker brother or lesser right, brother right, argument, right. yeah, we right. still we still have restrictions upon ourselves. Right. Right. Uh, because and even those restrictions are about people. Right. So right. God really is showing his love for for all all people. people. All yeah. people. Which is why I underlined that whole thing of making no distinction. Right. Because he realized this wasn't about animals and food. This is about people. And and, and people being in heaven. Well, Cornelius tells him that once they once they get there, he tells him something that I don't think Peter quite understood at the time necessarily, and that is he says, I saw uh, an angel, and the angel said to me, send for you, because this is how, or, or they will declare to you a message by which you will be saved. That's verse 14. Um, you and your household. So Cornelius and his whole household are saved by the message that this Peter right. is going to bring. Um, and then when Peter does all this, that's when they see all this evidence of the Holy Spirit being poured mm -hmm. out on them, and he starts to make the connection to Pentecost. Right. Um, this is a, an amazing testimony, but it doesn't really feel like the way things happen today. Um, well, it, would you agree or it, disagree? I, I would agree with that. You know, so how do we but, reconcile that? But but Acts, you know, the the beginning of the church, God was, you know, we know throughout history he does things in different ways at times. Uh, you, you, I go back to the Ethiopian eunuch. You know, what's he doing? He, he's sitting there. He's reading Isaiah. He doesn't understand it. And what does God do? He puts Philip there to explain it to him, you know. You need somebody to explain it so that he understood and, you know, faith was born and he was baptized. And what a great, great thing that happened. Uh, but yeah, Cornelius here. <laughs> oh, go send to Peter. <laughs> Bring him back so that I can hear this message. You know, did Cornelius really understand what was going on? Oh, maybe, maybe not. Probably, you know. But the Holy Spirit was working to send uh, Peter so that they could hear the Word of God, and it just expanded from there. You know, does God work in that way today? Not always, probably pretty rarely, but he still works with his Word. Just a few weeks ago, uh, we heard from Isaiah 55 where the, the Word goes out, um, and it doesn't return empty. It's going to accomplish the very task um, that it's been sent out. So in some ways, God still works in the same way because his word is still being preached and proclaimed. Well, and we also clearly see here that not only is the, the word at work, the Holy Spirit working through that word, uh, but we also get the message of baptism, right? It's not right. as though he said... 
well, you know, since you believe now, then that's good enough. You've made your decision and uh, that that's all you have to do. But no, they say, no, it's about, it's about baptism too, right? John baptized with water. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Right. That's what Jesus himself said. And Peter's recognizing that this whole, this whole thing is one event, you know, right. coming to faith right. isn't just like, well, I got to sign on this, the dotted line. I got to make the sinner's prayer. And then eventually I have to get baptized. No, it's all God's work kind of all right. at the same time. It's it's all, it's all happening. One in the, you know, when we think about our um, views on baptism, our beliefs, you know, especially with an infant, what's happening. They're hearing the word, the Holy Spirit. It's it's all one happening at the same time, uh, which is pretty pretty incredible. That what what happens in baptism? It's a, it's a miracle. Uh, and yeah, yeah, you know, if God then gave the same gift as He gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus, and and this is where I got the question: How can I stand in God's way? Because Peter asks it. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? This is what he's telling the circumcision party. If if Jesus said this, how can I stand in his way if this is what he's calling us to do? It reminds me of uh, Gamaliel's argument to the Sanhedrin. Oh, right, right. So we have you know him saying to them, listen. If this is God's will, there's nothing you can do to stop it. Right. And, and if now it's not, here, it's going to die. Right. And here we have a situation where it's it's not the exact, but it's similar. And it's basically saying, hey, listen, this is going to be the way God is doing it. And there's nothing we can do to stop it because who am I? Even if I were to disagree with God, who am I? Right. Who am I to disagree with God? Who am I to right. not do what he's doing? Right. And, and then the, this last verse of our text for today you know, when they heard these things, they fell silent. Yeah. You know, they, they were left speechless. Uh, but then they fell silent. But then what did they do? They glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. So this group of people, they understood it from what Peter, you know, they had a Peter moment here. As Peter's explaining what he saw, they get a Peter moment. Right. Finally. You know, because that's what I was setting up earlier. You know, he experiences something that he can't just sort of make them experience. He has this aha moment. Don't right. don't all of us pastors wish our people would have more and more aha moments oh, absolutely. When, they, when they hear us teach and preach. And so he had an aha moment, and then they didn't. They were critical, but now through, of course, the word of God that Peter is giving to them, yeah, they now they they're quieting their objections. They're praising God, so they're acknowledging God's grace and mercy and salvation is indeed extended to all people. And and again, as we've noticed, always has been, but right. they've had to have a paradigm shift in the way that they reach out. They cannot they cannot both be proclaimers of God's love for all and segregate themselves uh, from other people and right. avoid other people. <laughs> like sometimes we like to do, right? 
I'm afraid we do. We do. I think yeah. everybody is naturally drawn to people who are like them, but we have to get outside of our comfort zones. Right. We have to we, go and eat some exotic foods every now and then. Right. Get out we, there. We, we like our Lutheran bubble. You know? Yes, of and, course. You know, it's hard for us to go out where we're very uncomfortable, you know, in regards to people, not just those exotic foods, but, you know, we got to... <laughs> We want to use that term exotic, the exotic people, you know. Precisely. Well, what else do we have about this text or anything else that you want the folks to know about? I, I think uh, just to point out again that we've talked about, it's not about food. You know, for a long time when I read these texts, I was like, oh, well, God just declaring all food clean. Yeah. We can, we can go out, we can eat it, you know. Thank God, because I like my bacon. That's um, right, bacon cheeseburgers. Right, right, right. Put pig and beef together. What what better what better thing to have? But no, it's it's um it's not about food. You know, we have to think this is about people. And Peter makes this very clear, uh, especially in as he's talking to the Gentiles, but then talking to his own people uh, that that are struggling with this, you know, he's like, no, there's no distinction. How can I stand in God's way? This is what Jesus wants. You know, he could have even have reiterated to them, this is the mission that God gave us. So here we go. It's time to move outside of Jerusalem and Judea. It's time to go out into that world. At all. Well, folks, I would like to thank my guest this morning, the Reverend Dr. Michael Nielsen. He's the pastor of Salem Lutheran Church in Barron, Wisconsin. Pastor, thank you for being on the show. You're welcome. Folks, tomorrow on Friday, it is the first Friday of the month, and that means it's another free text first Friday. I hope you'll join us. We're going to have just sort of an ad hoc topic, stepping away from Acts for just one episode as we talk about something that you might be interested in. Uh, please join us as we continue uh, this chapter, though, on Monday. See, on Monday when we come back, we'll keep going through the church being established in Antioch. The tide of the gospel is beginning to turn, right? The Gentile world is, is growing in dramatic new ways, this, this amazing chapter of the early church's history. See, fueled by the persecution that followed Stephen's martyrdom, the believers have been scattered far and wide in that diaspora that we've already talked about. But that scattering has also given them the ability to boldly carry the message of Christ to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, where for the first time, Gentiles in large numbers are embracing the faith. That's what we'll talk about tomorrow. And uh, at the same time, we'll talk about Barnabas, the son of encouragement, seeking out Saul and Tarsus, and which sets the stage for a formidable partnership. But all of this and more on Monday. Remember, tomorrow's free text first Friday. Until then, may God's peace and blessings be with you all as we pray. Father, keep us in thy strong word.